Hi there and hello everybody and welcome to the Love City Arts Podcast. I'm Andre in the Flow. Thank you for joining us. And today I'm here with Kashif Graham. He is a writer and outreach librarian, uh, establishing himself as a librarian at large. I'm so grateful uh, to have him on the television show and podcast. Thanks for being here, Kashif. Hey, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I've been looking forward to this for a while. So thank you for having me. Uh, you're so welcome. Um, Kashif is one of my personal internet rock stars. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out his poetry and his writing from the heart and his unique perspective on so many identities, I want to encourage you to do that. I'll make sure that I leave a link somewhere um, so that you can find his awesome, awesome work. And so this was like an ultimate personal get for me because I love the things that he has to say online. Um, tell me a little bit, Kashif, about what you create in the world. What are you putting out right now into the universe? Well, I certainly believe in positive vibes. Um, that's very important to me. But I am putting out little emotionally charged scenes with my typewriter poetry. Um, things that for example, whenever we're telling our stories, whenever you are hosting podcast guests, I imagine that other people are listening and going, I can relate to that. And I really want to, uh, my aim is to put out little snapshots of things that I'm experiencing, things that my peers are experiencing, um, so that people know that they're not alone and that, um, that we really are a lot more similar than dissimilar. And so that's, um, definitely you can find that on my Instagram. That's, that's definitely what I'm putting out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. What is moving you? Like what's the impulse that's creating mm. the, the energy that makes you want to, are you actually typing these I'm, things? Like I'm actually typing. Yes. I do have a small uh, collection of typewriters. So um, on my desk, actually in my office is a 1955 Smith Corona silent super in Robin's egg blue. Um, and that's where I type most of my poems, but I also have a uh, Royal Futura and my godmother gave me my first typewriter, which is an Olympia SM9 in 1971. Uh, and I have a few more at home. So I use those um, to create this art. Um, and in terms of what moves me, I'm moved by equity and fairness, um, especially mm. as a queer person of color um, someone who identifies as queer. Um, I, these little scenes are a lot to do with not fitting in either world. Um, sometimes not feeling like I belong in the world of people of, you know, Christians, people of faith. Um, and sometimes not feeling like I belong in this sort of gay world as well. Um, this sort of LGBTQIA plus world. So, I write about a lot about the liminoid spaces that sort of interstice and the challenges. It's almost like being- Okay, so you just, you, just yeah. used, uh, you just used a $5 million word librarian at large. The, li <laughs> the, the, the limit, the lim So the liminoid, some people will say liminal, liminal, but I prefer liminoid. The liminoid spaces are, they're, they're the, you can look at them as the both and or the they're neither, they don't, they're gray areas, so to speak. Okay. Okay. I view the liminoid spaces as being in between two train cars. That you're, you're not in either train car, but you're still somehow on the train, you know? Um, yeah. And so yeah. 
sometimes I feel like I'm in that place and I feel that many other people are, you know, um, I was just looking at um, some of the Facebook pictures. Um, there's an event that goes on in Nashville um, every month that's called the QDP, the Queer Dance Party. Um, and I was looking at so many of the faces and I thought, I bet you 90% of these people are, they're looking for the same thing that I'm looking for, which is community, which is belonging, which is to, to relate a sense that there are other people that are experiencing the same things that you are. And so when I'm writing, it's to touch hearts and lives to say, you're not alone. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're experiencing, but other people are experiencing something similar. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, wow, wow. And you talk about belonging. Are you, you're talking about belonging in community, but also is there a piece that talks about the belonging to yourself? Oh, yes. There is a certain sense I write about settling with yourself. Um, learning to love, yes, but settling in your own body and, and realizing that if you, this is, this is where the house where you live. And I think that that was a journey for me to get to that place to say, wait a minute, I live here. I live here. And if you don't think this, this is worthy to, to be in a space, that's on you. But I live here and I'm going to look after and tend to this body, this garden, um, the best that I can. And so, yes, I'm definitely writing about a sense of centering yourself and settling into this, this house, belonging to yourself. Um, this house. This yeah. house. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It sounds like a song that needs to be written. We should get on that. Like this yes. house. I feel like house. it would, I feel like it would have a very like country. I, I, I could see that as like having a country twang, like, you know, God said this house will be a stone. Like a cadet, like. <laughs> Yo, don't do it. Don't it do will it. never, never, never fade away. God said this house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, we should oh pin in that because that 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 is that is a bop. If I ever a country bop, ever it it will be like God a, be like a country house. gospel. God said this house will be of stone. I mean, there's a there's something there. We'll work on that. <laughs> that oh my goodness. Speaking of, speaking of, I, one thing I have to say, and I have to get this off my chest in this interview is that uh, I have realized that Kashif brings the big spoon to every conversation and just stirs me up, and I'm like ah. I love <laughs> It's too much. It's overwhelming. Yes. Speaking, speaking of music, before we came into, um, or as we were entering into this interview, you had some really soothing music going on in your office in the background. And I want to talk briefly about um, music as a self-care mechanism for you and how that's providing um, healthy workspace and living environment for you. Well, you know, it's, it's wonderful. I must say it's wonderful to have an office um, you know, at the, at the Vanderbilt Divinity Library, that's something, our workspace is, is very important. I'm glad that our director um, gives us creative expression over our workspaces. Um, and I will say that from the time I get in, in the, you know, in the morning, I have a Pandora station that's relaxation music, but it's not, some people look at it, look at it as spa music, but these are, I like to play very impressionist pieces that are solo piano usually um they are the soundtrack of my life you know and i think just driving in east tennessee when i was living in cleveland um on the back roads navigating what does the future hold for me god if i 
come out and identify myself as a gay man, as a person of faith, and as a person of faith, will you still love me? Those are the questions that were on my mind at the time. And these soundtracks, these, 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 some, of, some of them are scores, these pieces were playing in the background. Um, Beautiful by Ryan Farish. Uh, you know, I'll Smile um, by Denise Young. Um, there's so many, there's so many uh, Cosmos and Poppies, Michael Allen Harrison. Those songs were playing for me and they represent a beauty um, amidst challenges and uncertainty. So for me, those things are self-care because they help me to center myself and they keep, even when I am facing a challenge, they keep the beauty, they, they, they remind me that there's beauty going on in the background. So, um, which, is, which is indicative yeah. of life, um, no matter what's happening to us or around us, and our family dynamic and our you know, interpersonal dynamic, workplace, what have you, um, there's always a subtle beauty that's just woven throughout the whole experience. And yes. if you're quiet enough to still yourself to get settled into it and just listen for that still voice um, and that still song, it's there. And, and it's, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. That was part of the reason, I think, that I really adopted these, this, the, these songs um, because I was driving a lot of times is, is, you know, when I started listening to these songs and trying to figure out what to do and I needed quiet. I needed a sense of stillness. I needed to hear sometimes the answers that were already in my heart, the answers that I already knew, but I just needed to speak them out. And these, these things were playing in the background while I was trying to figure out the next right move. Um, so these, these will always be a feature of my life, always. Let's talk about, um, that's beautiful. Um, let's talk about stillness. Mm-hmm. What does stillness mean? What does stillness mean for you in a time when society seems to be requiring more, I call it the more monster, mm-hmm. um, more beats per second, more, you know, endless supply of jams, more content more creation more power money sex whatever you have what is stillness how does stillness rest you know what stillness rests with me as curation in the same way that as a librarian there there is a demand or, or you know for more resources more books more of everything and curation is when you say I am being very deliberate about what I want in this collection. So there may be, instead of there being, you know, 200, I may have 50 titles selected that are going to move that people are going to use them. I think stillness, when we look at it from the life aspect, I think stillness is a curation of activity. Because what are you doing with your time? Yes. Um, there, there are some days, and I'm learning this. I'm, I'm I, again, so new at this. I'm, I'm learning this, but there are some days when I found I've scheduled things endlessly, and I will come to the end of the day and go, "Did I? What did I really get done? Why do I feel, you know, I don't feel rejuvenated? I don't feel like the work is energizing?" And I have to go, "Okay, I don't need to do all of this today. I need to do three things that I know are going to be meaningful, and that as I do them, 
they're also going to be giving energy back to me. It's the same thing like exercise. Um, you're, str- you're, you're, you're working your body, you're working your muscles, you're working your lungs, but that in turn, your body somehow, the dopamine is released, the serotonin, um, and all of a sudden you have more energy at the end of it. That's kind of the idea that you, you're more energized. So when I think of stillness, I think of it as being very careful about what you say yes to. Mm. I think about stillness as taking walks. You know, when I was an undergrad, I learned how to, I would say, take a Sabbath because I had so much going on. And I would, when I was back at Lehman uh, in the Bronx, I would go into an empty classroom, turn the lights off, play some quiet music and put my head down. And I might do that for 30 minutes. And that was me taking a Sabbath. Um, Mm. sometimes stillness is who is in your circle who is speaking to you do the people in your circle are they aware of your goals your dreams, your visions, what drives you or are they just noise are they just people who um, you know, they're they're your club crew I mean, who is in your circle and sometimes stillness means that you are very intentional about who you spend time with um, without, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, this like new year, new me cutting people off. That's not what I'm talking about, but uh, you know, but I am talking about being, being very discerning about who's in your inner circle and whether they are adding noise or whether they help you to also listen to yourself, you know, and you do the same for them. So for me, stillness encompasses all of those things. Yeah. You, you've heard the, the adage, um, that we are a summation of the five people that we hang out with the most. Yes. Um, and so I've been very um, diligent in 2019. Well, 2018, leading to 2019. Who am I surrounding myself with? What are they talking about? Are they, what's that scripture that talks about, you know, whatsoever things are kind, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, think mm-hmm. on those things. So I kind of use that as a litmus test for the people that I'm around. Are we talking about things that are kind and just and lovely? Um, are we, we're all going to have bad days. Um, things are going to happen, but where is, where, what's the root system yes. of this curated um, group, as you say? Um, I want to talk about another um, song that we have to write um, called On the Back Roads. Because you, you've said that a couple times. Yes. Um, both pre-interview and now. Um, is there any, are you willing to talk with us about what your back roads, one of your back roads experiences, what that was like? Yes. You know, Andre, I have to say that I wrote this poem, I Will Always Drive the Back Roads, for There I Met the Lord. Because that is what happened, you know. I at that point in time I was driving. I had a little um, a little white uh, BMW convertible, and I just would drive because it was a fun little car to drive. But that was a place where I found so much peace, and I found I you know I am at heart a discoverer, a sojourner, um, and I would just get on the road and see where one of these roads leading out of Cleveland would take me. And I found myself, you know, one point almost to Knoxville, driving through um, Nyota and Philadelphia and Sweetwater and Lenore City, these little small East Tennessee back roads. I know those places, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, but I think being there, 
I say this, that when I was on the road driving to Knoxville, I felt so strong, so strongly, the love of God, the awareness that if I took a stand for truth, somehow, some way, I would be okay. And that for me, that experience that happened when I was on the back roads, um, the tears streaming down my face, asking the questions, what does the future hold? What if I... What if mother and father forsake me when I make this decision? What, you know, um, but it was on the back roads that I felt that, that God was hearing me and that I was hearing God somehow. Um, and so I always talk about the back roads because it was a salvific and spiritual um, experience driving there and, and sometimes talking myself through things. You know, I learned, I had at one point this technique that when things felt like they were too overwhelming, I would speak in the future tense about what I was going through. And um, it was almost like I was preparing, I would imagine myself sitting down um, in an interview as we are now. Um, I would imagine sometimes when I was driving um, to Sweetwater uh, and it was like, it was 2 a.m. in the morning um, mm -hmm. and I was passing through Charleston and, and heading towards Sweetwater. Um, and I remember just talking through this thing in the future tense and imagining I was sitting down with Oprah <laughs> yes. you know, many years from then, you know, because that was, that enabled me to look at the possibility that there was a beyond. Um, but it was on the backwards when that's when I got really still because I had all the people that I was with in seminary and it was a lot of noise, you know, it was a lot of noise, a lot of, you know, and I just, I felt like this is not some of these people, they might not be able to go with me because I knew what the, what I knew what the, the future, um, what decision I had to make. And I felt that some of the people would try to say, this is not what God has for you. Um, you know, come back. Don't, don't, you know, go to counseling, go to therapy, go to gay conversion therapy. And so I, I, I got on the back roads and I experienced the beauty of just seeing the, 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 the pastoral scenes that took my breath away, um, driving just serendipitously um, by going around by um, uh, Harrison and driving by Harrison Bay and looking at the, the sun, the afternoon sun just setting on the surface of the bay and gasping, going, this is such beauty. So the back roads for me are, um, are just, cent they're central to my life. And I, I, you know, but I talk about them definitely as a spiritual journey. Wow. That, that was a whole sermon. I, that's I mean, it, it's, it's powerful. <laughs> it's, it's really powerful. I'm, I'm just over here just kind of just basking in it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, you talked about uh, in your backroads experience, hearing or feeling or sensing specifically what God has for you. And I want to talk about how that aligns with your technical training and your skills and knowledge. You're clearly well-spoken and, and highly um, uh, educated and, and you know, accomplished. How, what's this, where's the synergy in that? You know what? A lot of it has to do for me with, um, with advocacy. Oops, I'm sorry. That's something just dropped there. You're fine. A lot of it has to do with advocacy. Because my deepest sense is I have, when I would set to the reading, 
at some of the, the cafes when I was in Cleveland, I would find, you know, Starbucks or wherever um, to sit and read in Nashville here. I felt very much like I was preparing for something and I didn't know what. Um, and my deepest sense is to be an advocate because I, I know that there will be some people who need to say things and, and my, it is not for me to overtake their voice, but to be a conduit um, and to be able to go up to the mount, wherever that is, and speak, mm -hmm. speak on their behalf. Um, Who are you advocating for? I think that I'm advocating for queer people, for LGBTQIA plus people, but I think it's a broader, it's a broader advocacy. I think I'm also advocating for poor people. Um, and, you know, as a librarian, definitely pooling together resources. Um, right now, my goal for the rest of the year is, is to create a collection or, or pull together a collection um, of homiletics and pastoral, the uh, pastoral care um, and practical theology resources for queer people who are preparing to go into ministry. Because a lot of what exists now are um, apologetics um, uh -huh. and sort of, but we need more of those resources. So I see myself as um, somehow coming into this role as an advocate, which is, which, and that, that's inchoate. I'm not exactly sure of the full shape that that will take. Mm -hmm. I, I see myself, I see myself advocating. That, that's is, the that, is that new? Is the advocacy piece a newer piece of the puzzle? Were you kind of heading in one direction, then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like, I really want to lead the charge of supporting people in this way? You know what? It's not, it's not brand new. I, I, you know, my, my first master's is in uh, church ministry. And so when I left New York, uh, left New Rochelle, I was headed to, um, I went to, to seminary and there was always this passage, passage in Revelation. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That probably heard that. My you better word. live your best. You better live your best life. That was the, you said Revelation, and it went. Well, <laughs> bing! They look, look at God. I look heard at God. Yeah. I heard the Lord. You know. Yes. So um, the the thing that I think is 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 most interesting is like I was preparing to, um, I was preparing to go into ministry. Uh, but I remember this passage in the book of Revelation that was talking about this new Jerusalem and there was a, a tree that was by a river and the, the leaves were serving, the fruit was serving as food and the leaves as healing. And when I read that many years ago, somehow I got the impression, I felt in my heart, in my spirit, that that was me. Without sounding pontifical, with, without sounding like I am all this and but I felt that that's what I needed to be to people, that I could offer them something, um, something that would keep them and that would help them to lead a better life, lead a more well-informed or a life that was meaningful. Um, because it's my deepest sense that, you know, to get to, to the end, to 80, to 90, and you go, what did I do with my life? I just worked and, and then retired. I think when you are touching lives, I think that I, I feel in the deepest sense that that tree is, is giving, is, is soaking up that, that water from that river and is giving things to people. But those people will also give to others and be empowered to, you know, um, become food, so to speak. Now it sounds cannibalistic, but become nourishment no. or sustenance to other people wherever they are. 
Um, and so I think that that's how I see myself, you know, living out this calling. And as a, you know, librarian, I mean, for me, this theological librarianship and outreach librarianship, this is ministry. And, and that's why when, you know, when I saw this, um, I was excited about this job because, and am, because, because of the outreach component, because that's ministry and getting to touch lives. Um, so that's how I see, that's how I see things uh, coming together. Um, and, and my, I think my goals now, yes, I strive to live my best life for me because I am responsible for my own life, but also because I feel, I feel a responsibility to um, be the best that I can be so that I can help other people as well. I just, that's the calling that I feel. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, what do you tell yourself when you get stuck, when you're having a bad day? Because we all have bad days. I have them, you have them. Mm -hmm. What do you tell yourself when you hit, hit a wall? You're quite good at this. Um, okay, let me say this. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I've learned to say yes, thank you to the challenges. So when something when something is, you know, is scary to me, I remember there was a point in time where um, I needed to go and I went to, uh, I just, I'll just be very candid, I went to the, cl the clinic here um, because I needed to do my full range of um, testing for everything. Yes. Um, and which the, is very important, kids. Very important. That is important. Brain. Be responsible. Know your status. Know everything. Be That's responsible. It. So, you know, I, um, so I, the way that I got myself to go was to celebrate. So I called it health week and I imagined that I was, that it was Oprah and myself and Gail King and that we were shooting a segment and it was health week. And that was a segment and, you know, the, you know, it would be like, imagine it was like the show and then there would be clips going back and forth. And I, so Absolutely. I imagined like we were going to the camera, like it's health week. And, and that was how I got myself to go and to, to, to get there. Um, and it ended up being such an amazing story that I met uh, a nurse practitioner who I shared my story with her. And we said together that things fall apart. I shared the, the challenges with my parents, the challenges with friends, um, you know, this new journey, discovering, um, this new world in, in Nashville, things fall apart, but things also come back together. And, um, and so that is definitely, I've learned to celebrate through challenges, but I think the role of Thanksgiving cannot be underestimated. That sometimes when say, there's- Say that one more time, the, the role of Thanksgiving? Yes. We're not talking I, about the holiday. No, we're talking about the act, the action, the act of Thanksgiving cannot yes. be underestimated because what that does for you is even when there's a challenge that comes up, you're able to see a way through, a way across, a way over because in Thanksgiving, you're looking and expecting that the universe is somehow going to bring you over whatever it is. And so you're looking, um, that has, that has changed a lot for me. Thanksgiving, the role of Thanksgiving, um, and, and learning that the challenges really do, they, they, they teach you. 
they teach you that something comes up and it's like, you learn whatever it is that it's a, I look at challenges as a learning opportunity. Um, and, and just to be more, even more frank, when I, sometimes when I have a bad day, I call, I phone a friend, you know, I phone someone that I trust and I share with them. Sometimes I'll call them and just, and cry on the phone and say, you know, and I think that that's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. I do have um, a few people that I really trust that I could call and cry on the phone. And I know that they're going to support me. Um, I, I didn't say that they're going to, they're not going to, you know, tell me everything I want to hear, but they, they right. will, they, they know what to say. Um, and sometimes they know how to say, I don't have the answers, but I love you and I'm here. And that is what I need. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. I think most people ha are blessed. I can't speak for everyone's journey, but a lot of people are blessed to have that. You know, one or two people, a handful of people that they can just say, "Hey, I need you to hear me," um, and they will be heard. Um, yes, and I think I think sometimes part of the challenge is that we're looking for our idea is quantity, and that we want a million people. You know, um, so many friends. That and, and the thing is that I really think in terms of who's in my inner circle, it's a few, there are a few people. Yeah. There are a few people that I really trust that like, you know, because it takes a, lo it takes a while. It takes a, a while to build that relationship. But then the thing, here's the thing too. There is one person that's in my inner circle that I trust very, very deeply. And he and I have only known each other for, for probably two years. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that the, the, the connection was there the connection was there, that we met each other and we connected right away. And I knew that he was somebody that was going to be in my, in my inner circle. And he was there. He, he was there. So, you know, I am, I'm more about the quality uh, uh, of things, but not to have like 80,000 people in your inner circle. Um, that's just not what's worked for me. So, yeah. Yeah. and I'm, I'm very thankful for the people that I do have. Uh, they have made a huge difference in my life. They have. It's a blessing. It's it a, blessing. a blessing. Um, I want to uh, go briefly back to the, you know, the act of Thanksgiving. While we're grateful for the friends and we're grateful for all the love that the universe is giving. Um, I'm a person, you don't know this about me because we're, we're just now meeting each other, but for many years, um, struggled with, had, was succumbed by, I don't know how you say it, suicidal ideation, mm -hmm. um, where I was constantly thinking about how to end my life and how to like not go on. And people think that I'm being very like cavalier or, you know, um, what, what's the word? Like, um, uh, it's a little girl, a little girl that thought everything was perfect. Why is this not coming to me right now? You mean that naive? Not naive, but um, Pollyanna-ish. Okay. Yeah, people think that I'm, that I'm very like, you know, oh my God, like everything's sunshine and roses when I say that gratitude has saved my life. Yeah. The, the idea that I can find gratitude for this book and this conversation and the warmth here of, of my dwelling and, you know, even like not even big things. I think I was telling you earlier, you know, the, 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 the green of my kale and the little crunchy part of my pancake, I find when I'm grateful for that, it kind of snowballs into this like avalanche of gratitude and 
one of my favorite prayers is I thank you now that, um, and it does a bunch of things for me in that it, I, it puts me in gratitude, mm-hmm. it anchors me in the present moment, mm-hmm. um, and then it gives me that hope and a future that I was promised. And you know what? I think that that is so, when you talk about anchoring, so there's a, there's a thing, Oprah will say, lean into life. My mom would say, um, capitalize. She'll use the, the language of economics and finance, that you capitalize on those moments. Because I know that there are times when you're going along and you just feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the Thanksgiving. And I know that feeling. When I was driving on the back roads to Chattanooga and I pulled the car over, um, I got to the parking lot and, pull, and parked and pulled the car over. And I just remember staying, sitting down in that little red Mini Cooper and just being so thankful and saying, it didn't have to be this way. And I was just thankful that through all of the challenges that I had faced, through the times when I had wanted to die because I didn't know what to do. There wasn't anybody. I didn't have any examples of what it meant to be a, a healthy gay person leading a meaningful life. I didn't, I didn't see. I, I, I didn't know. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I, I, I just remember that, being there in the parking lot by, in, the, in the Bluffview district and being so thankful for all that I, the challenges that I had overcome and everything that I felt that God had done for me. Those mo- it was, it's anchoring. You lean in. I, I still find myself sometimes in the car. Um, I still find myself sometimes in the car having to just driving and just leaning in, Le- pressing into that moment. We used to say that in the Pentecostal church, press yes. in. Press you, better, in. you better press in. Just press in. And when people talk about pressing in, it's, it's this idea of stay right there. Stay in that moment. Go stay, press in. There's more there. Expand upon that. Lean in, capitalize. This is because it's not, it doesn't always, you don't always feel that way. And it's not necessarily that it's about feelings, but I do believe that that Thanksgiving, it comes to remind you that I just remember where I was. What a journey. The three years that I spent in Cleveland, that the person that I was when I left the house for the very first time leaving home, um, I didn't know what the future would hold for me. But this, it was really a, a growing, uh, a coming of age experience. But the person that I was when, I, when we first pulled up, when we had driven the whole night, my parents and I, my sisters, and they dropped me off. And I had never lived by myself. And I was in a complete, completely new city. And the day that I was leaving, and then I got here to where we are today, it has been such a journey. It has been such a journey and I've experienced so much that I I cannot not say thank you. I cannot, sometimes I'll just stop and just give, say thank you to however we acknowledge God, whether we say the universe, whether we say life, whether we say Zoe, whether we say goodness with a capital G. Um, I tell everybody to say God is good. And even if you don't believe in God, say goodness exists in the world. Um, I believe that's a way of leaning in and acknowledging the wonderful things that are around us. Um, and I think that we can miss it if we're not, if we don't wake up and the first thing that we try to do is to say, thank you that I'm in a body. Yeah. I, I do believe that we can miss out on the wonderful things that are happening and the wonderful things that are in store. Because that's the thing. When you look for goodness, you will find it. 
Always. Always. Because when you look for goodness, you will find it. I believe that. I hold that in my heart. When you look for goodness, you will find it. Because it's there. But you can miss it if you're looking for evil. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're, we're to walk around with our head in the clouds. But I yeah. really believe that when you look for goodness, um, uh, you will find it. And that goodness is that the, 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 the act of Thanksgiving. It does. Just to go back to where we started with this. The act of Thanksgiving, it, it is anchoring. It helps you to be in the moment and recognize, this is where I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I mean, you look, that, you know. Look at the lights, look at the headphones, look at the glasses, look at the hat, look at the t-shirt, look at the... Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And it's, it's a recognition that even to be in the office where I am, it's, it's a testimony and a story because just, just the fact that, that, that the universe, the fact that God is, when I say looking out for me, it doesn't mean that there haven't been challenges. It doesn't mean that there were times when I didn't sleep at night. Because yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. All of those things have occurred. But, but yet still, yes, I, am, still. I, I am here and I am still learning and growing and I am better because of them. I am better because of the challenges that I, fa that I have faced. Um, so I am very thankful. I, I try to every day when I wake up in the morning, I do try to, to say thank you that I am in a body. Thank you that I'm here. Because while there's breath, there is chance. You know, and say that and again. I, say that yeah. again. While there is breath, there is chance. And I do very much believe that I am on my way. And I'm so thankful to um to the people around me also who gave me an opportunity to do the things that I that I get that I get to do. So I think Thanksgiving is the most important, you know. It it, Absolutely. it just yeah, and it makes you it keeps you fresh. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you fresh that people want to be around you because, you know, you're, you're, you're thankful and, um, you know, you're it just, you're, it makes you spongy. You don't become ossified, you know, and, and difficult to deal with, you know, and ossified. And, and ossified. Yeah, you know, when people are ossified, they're just, it's like the stuff is tough and, and you, brittle and you, it'll just break and snap very easily. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah. You know, but when you're, when you're, when you're just fresh and sort of spongy and malleable, you can, yeah. you can continue with being the best you. Nobody will ever be able to say, um, so-and-so is the new Kashif Graham. No, Kashif Graham is the new Kashif Graham. That, Absolutely. That's, that's the way that I will always say it. Even, even years down the line, if they put on a magazine cover or something, you know, so-and-so is the, is the new Kashif Graham. You know, people might say that about Oprah. You know, so-and-so is the new Oprah. No. Not possible. Not, Not possible. possible. You be the be you're the new you. Andre, Andre is the new Andre. Yes. You know? and, 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 and because you're changing, you're growing, you're constantly, you let yourself continue to be clay so that you're, it's lifelong learning. But I, I believe that Thanksgiving positions you to all of that because you're aware of the good things that are happening to you and aware of, even, you're aware of everything. That, that's what I think. But you're aware of the, the goodness that is in your life. Yes, Absolutely. I want to talk briefly before I let you go because yes. we could talk forever. This has been so yummy um, about, and this is also selfishly for me as a black queer person of faith. Um, can you talk, I don't know how you self-identify. You can tell us, um, can you tell me about what that, beyond what we've already expanded upon, um, what that intersectionality means uh, for you to be a, brown person 
if that's how you identify, who's same gender loving, um, who also has what I feel to be a deep, profound connection with source. How, yes. how does that all, because I, I, I'm, I'm asking selfishly also because um, there are, in my, in our tradition, there are elements of the world mm -hmm. um, that we were not supposed to conform to. And that was all of the, you know, the bars and the sex yes. and the yes. drugs and all that things, all the things by which um, for transparency I've partaken of yes. um, for better or for worse, um, living life on the crazy edge of sex, drugs and rock and roll. But like, but now I'm coming to this place, Kashif, where, where I'm not poo-pooing, I'm not yucking anybody's yum, um, but as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs and thirsts for mm. the spiritual things of life. Mm. Um, and that's not always accessible in the Like nobody's gonna say, like, <laughs> the crazy question that I always ask people is, how's your heart? Tell me about how you, how's, how's your heart? But that's not necessarily happening in all queer spaces. So my first question is, where's that intersectionality for you? And then uh, my second question is, where is the hope mm. for the future of, of, of what that intersectionality, that inter, not intersectionality, but what that intersectionality could look like? I think, so I identify as a queer person of faith, um, it still sometimes presents challenges for me to say gay because I'm still unlearning. Um, I, I'm still learning to own that. I'm not there yet. I'm going to get there. Okay. But I, but I say queer, yes, identify absolutely as gay. Um, uh, you know, as a person of faith, I identify as African-American. I, I will identify also as Jamaican-American, um, you know, but I, for me, this, this intersection is very unruly. It's unruly because it resists solid classification. You know, in libraries, we have um, a classification system, Library of Congress, Dewey Decimal, uh, mm -hmm. and there are some others. And some, there are some items that, that are unruly because you go, mm, I look at some things and I go, who put this there? That should not be, this should not be, this should, this, maybe I wouldn't have cataloged this this way. Maybe I would have put this with the homiletics resources. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I would have put this in another place. I think that my, the identity that I'm standing in, I think is in many ways unruly. Because even when I go into the progressive churches, um, they, the charismatic, the Pentecostal is viewed as marginalized, is viewed as like too earthy, too backwoods, and, but that's how I grew up. I grew up with the jumping and shouting and the celebration. Um, and when I go into the progressive spaces that will have trans people preaching and will have gay people, lesbian, um, bi, whomever preaching, um, asexual, um, you know, non, uh, gender nonconforming or non-binary, all these people are preaching. All these people are participating in the services, but there's not that charisma. It's just not there. And so, it's, it's a challenge because I don't, sometimes I really don't feel like I fit in to any of those spaces. And I'm not saying this to, to sound, you know, au courant and, and interesting. 
Um, I just don't. And when I go into the, 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 the Pentecostal spaces, the spaces where I love the sense of drama and shock and awe, that is that approach to ministry, that approach that, you know, God is going to do something right now, which I call the sort of Patti LaBelle, you know, wild, wacky hair. It's not, yes. wacky, it's wacky, but it's wackily beautiful. If, if yes. I can say that, you know, yes. um, where it's doing the most, but God does the most. That's, that's my, my deepest sense, you know? And the reason I say that is because <sighs> even the things that have happened in my life in the past couple of months were beyond what I expected. The, some, the most was done, really. The most was done. Ex exceedingly abundantly. Beyond what, I, beyond what I asked for, literally. Beyond the things that I asked for. And so, you know, I give great thanks. But, but for me, that intersection is unruly. Um, it's, it's challenging. It is, but there is great beauty because, because I may not at times feel that I fit into either, but I can stand and reach out to different people in different places and connect with them. And I think that that's the greatest gift that God could have given me is this ability to talk to so many different people that I could meet anybody anywhere and listen to and hear their story. And that's a great gift. It's a great gift because I've heard awesome stories. I've heard heartbreaking stories and I've been able to connect with so many of those people. So Standing at this intersection, sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it's a lonely way. It's not every time that you find people that understand you and relate to you. But I do get to have a lot of very heartfelt moments. And so that probably leads to your next question about the hope. Mm. Is, is that sense that I'll be able to touch the lives, um, touching lives, uh, because it's, you're at an intersection. You know, you're not completely at like in one thing where there's like, you know, yeah. you're, you're Car cars are going everywhere. Cars are going everywhere. But but people see me. People can see me because of that. And, yeah. you know, and I, I think visibility is very important. I almost didn't tell my story because I thought it was just so ordinary because some of these other people, the stories that they had, my mouth was gasping because, I, you know, I, my, my, I, my jaw dropped because I couldn't yeah. believe, you know, the things that people had experienced. But you and I have to be visible. Yeah. You, and I you and I have to be, vi be visible because we know what America can do, which America will accept white queer stories first. And then yeah. the rest of the, and that becomes the new normal. That becomes the new gay, the new normal. And right. everybody else sort of, and, and so we have to continue to be visible and tell our stories. Um, I, 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 we just have to, because there are other people that need to see us. I yeah. just wish... I wish at that time that I had known Karamo Brown and known all of these people existed. I just, I didn't know. Right, I did, I right. didn't know. I, I wish that I had known them because I would have seen that it, it was possible. And I think that when you and I stand in our spaces, when we stand in our truth, when we stand in our calling, other people will see and know that it's possible. So we don't let anybody tell us that we're doing too much or that we are um, always talking about ourselves. No. I, I need to be visible. I don't, I don't, I don't play the second fiddle. Visible with purpose. Visible, visible with purpose. for a purpose. Yes, I don't, I don't play the second fiddle and sitting in the, in the back and hiding and, and pretending I'm not there. No, the reason that I push for visibility is because I recognize that I know what it was like when I looked up and was looking around and couldn't find anybody. And I, and I needed just to see a face 
So I am there and people will know that I'm there, but it's not for, it's not a self-seeking and pontifical um, decision or action. It's because right. people need to see so that they can lead their best life. So they can, they can lead better lives, but that's so that they can know it's, it's possible to lead a meaningful uh, and, and, and love filled life as a queer person of color. It's yes. very possible. It's absolutely possible. And, it, and they deserve it, that they deserve that, you know, that I'm they're preaching. They're worthy. They're worthy of it. Yeah. They're worthy of it. And so that is the hope that I have um, is to continue to be, you know, visible and to use that visibility responsibly. Because yes, yes. So we pray, when we're praying for, you know, elevation of some sort, we also have to pray for the, the skill, the integrity. Because listen, when you have a platform, you can use that to go back and get, get everybody back that, that didn't believe in you and get everybody back that didn't listen to you and that overlooked you. Because it's, hap it's happened to me in Nashville a number of times, overlooked. Yeah. But I'm, when we use this responsibly, we use this to, we focus on the people and their needs and right. meeting, meeting and exceeding their needs, love, um, uh, acceptance, and, you know, which has, which has very little to do with my need to be seen or revenge or any of that nonsense. I, ca I can't participate in the revenge ministry. I'm sorry. I, I'm not a part of the revenge, the tearing down ministry. I'm not. Because that's no. too much work. I don't have time to do that. It makes me tired. I don't have time for that. But I, but, but, so we use our platforms responsibly to, to help people lead better lives. And that, but that comes along with, you know, with being elevated and being that, that more people see, you have to, you have to use that with, with great responsibility. So that's the hope that I have for the future. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm so grateful for you sharing your hope um, and your future with us and your present. You know, uh, it's so easy to, to kick the ball down the road and think about all the great things to come. Your now, Kashif, is as brilliant as it's ever going to be in the present moment. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And I can't wait for everyone to taste and see that you are good. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That you're good. You're yeah. really, really good. I, um, I always end every uh, podcast, television show with three fill-in-the-blanks, and I would love to hear your take on, okay. the, on these three blanks. Okay. Um, thanks again for being here. Like, it's, it's just yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. Um, they're very simple. Uh, love is... Love is free-flowing... It is free-flowing and surprising. Yes. Joy is. Joy is sweet. It is contagious. It wants to overtake us if we'll just let it. <laughs> I just if we'll just let it if we'll just let it if we'll just let it 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 want it wants us just as much as we want it oh yes it does cuz we deserve it we absolutely deserve joy we absolutely deserve it but we have to choose it but we deserve it yeah well, oh and then freedom is freedom is being my 
authentic self. No cover up, no, that I get to just, I wake up every morning and just be me and be a better version of myself. That, that to me, that's freedom. That's freedom. Thank you, Kashif Graham, for, sh <laughs> Ooh, for sharing your freedom with us today. It's really, really, really beautiful to witness. I'm Thank changed. You. I'm changed. I'm changed. Thank you for having me. And this, this was a, this was a transformative experience. Thank you. Really. Thank you. This, this is a wonderful work that you're doing. And I look forward to coming back yes. here later on in the year, something and sharing again and speaking with you again. Um, this was a very wonderful experience and thank you for having me.